morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 53 of the coaching staff. And this week, we are going to talk about building a consistently winning program. What are some qualities? What are some things you need to look about? If if you don't want to ride the, the Dow Jones up and down, uh, the peaks and valleys of things, what are some ways that you can control that? And Tony and I are going to talk about that here in just a minute or two, because I think he's just going to go right through these numbers this week. Tony, are you ready? Are you ready, sir, for going through our number 53s here? I am, but it'll be interesting. I'm there, 53, not, not one that jumps out at me. All right. Well, I've got six numbers. I got six athletes all together. Okay. Two pitchers, one linebacker, and three centers. <laughs> Basketball centers. Okay. Uh, all with kind of a similar type of game. So uh, where do you want to start? Let's go basketball centers. Okay. I, I feel like Alex Trebek right now. Basketball centers <laughs> for 200, Alex. Uh, I want to say Artis Gilmore. Artis Gilmore is on the top of the list. Hall of Famer Artis Gilmore, I believe. Yeah, Bulls guy, wasn't he? Yep. Bulls and Spurs. Okay. Yep. Um, and you've mentioned they were kind of all similar. Um, Daryl Dawkins? Chocolate Thunder is on the list. Broke a few backboards in his day for the Sixers. Yeah, yeah. Modeled my game after his. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other one is going to be a little bit more of a challenge for me. Um, Made his name as a shot blocker in the 80s. Mark Eaton? Yes. Wow. Yeah, there you go. So there's your three centers. Now you got a linebacker and two pitchers. Uh, linebacker. Let's go linebacker. Okay. Um, play for the Steelers? Nope. No. Okay. Nope. Oh. Was Bill Romanowski? He was on the list, but I didn't see him as worthy of being on our list. No. Me. Anybody that spits on other players probably doesn't deserve that yeah. recognition. I, I concur. Because um, we're all about sportsmanship here on the coaching staff. We are. We are. I haven't, we haven't spit on anybody. So, um... Shoot. Um, give you a hint. NFC East is where he played his career. We're camping with like the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Commanders. Now I almost called them the other name by mistake, and yeah. the Giants. Yep. I'm gonna go with the Giants. There you go. I like where you're going. I want to see either Carl Banks or Harry Carson. Which one would you like to pick, my friend? Let's go Carl. Should have went Harry. Should have went Harry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Story of my life. Um, <laughs> now we're off. Did you say pitchers? Pitchers. Uh, let two legendary pitchers from the same franchise, 3,000 miles away from Phillies? Harry Carson. We talking Phillies? 3,000 miles away from oh, Harry Carson. 3,000 miles away. I should probably yeah. listen to that. Yes, yes. So we're going to be on the coast. We're talking Dodgers. Yep. Okay. Whew. I'm going to go Sandy Koufax. Nope. Good guess, though. How about um, 
Don Drysdale. Don Drysdale is correct. And then I need to check before you do this next one here. I think, I think this might be wrong, uh, because I yes yes. So I'm not even gonna give you the other one. Uh, I'm gonna save it. Uh, we're just okay. gonna stop with Don Drysdale because I think this number was probably like a temporary number. Because um, yeah, it doesn't make yeah. It was a mistake, Tony. Okay. It was a mistake. Right. So we're just gonna stop with Don Drysdale. So. All right, so um, there you have it, sir. You got five for five, or five for six, or three. Bleh, three. Fractions are a strength of mine, Tony. Four out of five. There we go. So okay. four out of five. So um, episode 53, building a winning program, my friend. Uh, you've done that everywhere that you've gone. You've always had good teams. Um, you know, I'm really proud to say that, uh, you know, every year that, that I feel like I've coached, uh, other than, you know, I, I feel like I've really only had two losing seasons in the circumstances that we've, we've had the final record on a couple of seasons said that, but, you know, again, we're rebuilding the program here at Fort Calhoun and, and our kids mm-hmm. have given us everything that they possibly had. And I think one of the things that you have to have when you, uh, when you're talking about building a successful winning program, and I'm going to lead with this, Tony. I think what you can ask of your kids every year that nobody can really argue with is that you ask your kids to max out. And whatever that max out number is, if you continue to max out your team's abilities and the way your you know the way your kids play the game, I, I think that is building a, a winning program. Most of us do not have a lot of control as to who our players are going to be walking in or out of that door on a yearly basis. But if you feel like your team has maxed out every year, and I feel like in my three years at Fort Calhoun, yeah, we, we've had we, we've gone eight and sixteen and then nine and fourteen and nine and fourteen. But our everything is moving in the right direction. I firmly, firmly believe that because I feel like our kids have maxed out with everything that they have been able to give us, and therefore I feel really good about that, even though uh, on paper it is a losing record. Yeah, and the thing, Marty, that I think you're going to get this thing rolling. Uh, Fort Calhoun is going to be... Uh, a major player in, in girls basketball in Nebraska. There's no doubt in my mind on that. That could happen as early as this coming season, uh, but it, it's it's going to happen. But I think you're going to go back and look at these as foundational years that you got your culture established. And I think that's one of the key things. If you're going to be build a successful program, part of the foundation of that has to be you have a really really good culture. And I feel like those those early ones, the pioneers, if you will. Mm-hmm. All right. There we go. Pun intended. But anyway, uh, yeah. there we go. Um, has got that, has a, has a solid foundation that the players that are, you, you're getting and have are getting ready to build on top of. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, a few weeks ago, I talked to Travis Steele, who was at Xavier and now he's at Miami of Ohio mm-hmm. and he's rebuilding the Miami program. And we were, we were talking about rebuilding programs and one of the, one of the things that he said on the pod and you know, this was part of my plan was everything for him is geared toward year three. 
every decision that they make is geared toward year three. And for us, the decision, even before I took the job, I had no real idea what the talent was that was coming up, but we wanted to see it in year four. You know, you give yourself a little grace period uh, because it's, it, again, we can't, re- I can't go out and recruit kids to bring into my program. And, you know, that's what we were looking for is, is kind of gearing that towards hopefully year four. And, and our kids have done a terrific job every single year. I can't say that enough, but uh, you're talking about building that foundation and, and, I'm kind of jumping all over the place, Tony. We want to give credit where credit is due. I think this is the second time we've done this. Uh, Greg Berg, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, at GB1121. Uh, this is where Tony found this kind of list we're basing this off of, of building consistent winning programs and what you need to do in order to do that. And you talked about the foundation, Tony, and... The, the foundation was these were our non-negotiables, these were our standards. It wasn't terribly complicated, uh, but we're going to we're going to do things the right way all the time. I don't know what our record is going to be, but that's how we're going to build it. From if we're gonna if we're gonna work our way in the direction that everybody wants this to go, it's going to start with with that. And and Berg listed five things: uh, player development, culture, commitment, consistency. And leadership, and and for me, and that's the order that he listed them in. Uh, but I I think you've got to have a great culture, and again, that's the buzzword, and I understand. Uh, but it, it, in order to get your great players to buy in, you've got to have a reason for them to buy in, and and I think that's where everything has to start at. And and he says, you know, there were three things when he talked about culture: what you allow what you emphasize and culture is an everyday thing. And and I distinctly remember our first day of practice and we didn't get a chance to do a whole lot because when I got hired, it was right in the middle of COVID. And my time around the girls was very limited in that summer of 2020. And the very first day of practice, I said, okay, uh, we just need one or two balls for whatever we're doing. And everybody had a ball. And so all... 12 or 13 girls and turned and started rolling their balls across the gym to the manager across the gym. And I blew the whistle and I, and I wasn't, I didn't yell, but I said very firmly, I said, no, 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 no. That's not their job. That's your job. We are going to be accountable. We are going to keep this gym. We are not going to have any balls, not in a rack. If we're not using them, you go over and you put your ball in the rack when you are done with it. And this was the first 10 minutes of our first practice, but we needed to have that kind of accountability in our culture and not be willing to allow even the slightest little things. I know uh, one of the things that uh, our mutual friend, Coach Finley, did when he was at Iowa State. They handed out their shoes for the first time, and a bunch of girls didn't say thank you to the equipment manager when they handed them out. So Coach made them hand them back in, and they went without their mandated shoes for a week or whatever. I forget exactly how the story went, but it was something along those lines. And I think that's where everything starts. If you're going to build a consistent winner, the, the, the habits and things you can control have to be at the top of the list. And I went, I went off there for three, four, five minutes, Tony, I apologize, but you know, that's kind of where I wanted to start things. Yeah. And, and, you know, like you mentioned how we listed it, I think culture standards, whatever you want to call that, I think I would put that at one. 
Yep. And the reason why I say that is you have to establish that from the get go. And like you talked about with, you know, being a high school coach, um, you know, as far as like recruiting and stuff like that, we don't do that. Like what the colleges do and stuff. And so you, you coach who's in your gym, Mm -hmm. but you have to establish the culture and then make sure that as that culture goes, hopefully you're inspiring your athletes and helping them to be the best version of themselves, both on and off the floor, that they can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some other thoughts that you might have, Tony? I feel like I've kind of hogged the conversation so far on on culture and foundation. You know, he had the three bullet points there: what you allow, what you emphasize, and culture is an everyday thing. Uh, what are some other? You know, what were kind of some of your thoughts on some of that stuff that he had there? You know, I, I just think as I go back to the to the culture thing, you know, the one that kind of jumps out at me, what you allow, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's a big one. You know, um, if you if you allow it, you're reinforcing it. You're saying that it's acceptable. And so you have to be careful on that and make sure, you know, you have your, your non-negotiables. What you emphasize, you know, things that we emphasize is that no matter what, we're the hardest playing team on the floor. Mm-hmm. No matter what, we're going to be great teammates to each other because I think those are, are things that are very, very important. And the thing that we have to understand, and I, I like the third one as well, culture is an everyday thing. It's not something you type up and put on you know, a sheet of paper or a poster or whatever and slap up on the wall and yeah. point at every now and again. It's an everyday thing. Um, and in those programs that truly have great culture, you know, this is going to be something that makes it reciprocal because I think everybody wants to establish excellence and have it be that thing year after year, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I think culture is, is a big part of that. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, culture is, is, is that that's emphasized by the coach, but it's more importantly driven by the players. Mm-hmm. And that was the other thing that he mentioned, that if you're going to be successful year in, year out, you have to have the players and, you know, when you sit back and you think about it, great coaches have great players. Yep. You know, and, and that's something that people have to understand, that great culture have, have great cultures or great teams have great players. And at the same time, you get your players as a coach and you're trying to develop them. You're trying to develop them as a person, but also as a player. And you have to, you know, inspire them because basketball, like many things, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. And if you put hours and hours of dedication and time and sweat equity and stuff like that, you have a chance to be pretty good. And, you know, your work ethic is going to determine your trajectory. You know, a lot of times what happens, you see these kids that, you know, in junior high, they, they are, you know, maybe matured with the others. And say, oh, that's going to be a really good player. And a lot of times I kind of hold my breath on that one because I want to see what type of work ethic they have. Because if they matured quickly, you're going to see kids that have a love for it, that are driven by it, that have the proper guidance and and work ethic and stuff. They're going to pass them up. They may just be a little bit more immature physically, but Mm -hmm. as they kind of hit their growth spurt and their strength and stuff like that, because they have that love for the game and that passion and that work ethic, they're going to, they're going to, you know, end up passing them up at some point. Yeah. I want to go uh, on that culture thing. I want to go backwards a little bit, Tony, and then let's dive into like the player stuff. Um, You know, you talked about slogans and stuff that you put up on the wall. One of the, one of the franchises that has one of, one of the greatest cultures in sports history is the San Antonio Spurs, you know, and the, the leader of that culture is of course pop. And 
But he does that. He did that in combination with a couple of great players, Tim Duncan and David Robinson, most notably, you know, Tim Duncan. Uh, but Pop, he said something one time where he's like, we don't have a bunch of slogan. Which are, you know, you put something up on the wall and people are going to believe in that or whatever. And and that's always, you know, as again, and I think I read that during my sabbatical time. And so what I've really fallen into when it comes to culture is, a, is an everyday thing is we have we have our acronym. We have attack, you know, appreciate, tough, together. Uh, play aggressive, compete, and knowledge. Boom, 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 boom. Our kids should know that inside and out. And we will cover that the first three days this year like we have covered it the first three days every single year. But then we narrow. How many times do you see a slogan on a on a team's T-shirt? Or if you're a coach and you put that slogan on the preseason T-shirt and you're like, yeah, this is great. I love this. I love this. And then you never talk about it again. Yep. I mean, what? What was the purpose of putting it on that T-shirt? What's the purpose of putting that up on the wall? So what I've really gravitated to, and again, I don't have all the answers. I'm just telling you what I do, and Lord knows, whatever. Um, a lot of people are a lot smarter than me, Tony. Let's just let's just say that. But we have gravitated to, okay, attack is permanent, and then each year we have one thing, and, and we take it out of our preseason reading. Uh, two years ago, it was LSC, Love, Serve, Care, and we put it on our shirts, and we talked about it every game. We talked about it every day. We got to love one another. We got to serve one another. We got to care about one another. Last year, it was uh, OTRP, O-T-R-P, Optimism, Trust, Relationships, and Passion. And if we do that, we're going to be in great shape, and we and we hit that every single day. And everybody loves to bring in these these great slogans and these great quotes, and I'm not saying that they're not great or they're not useful. But sometimes if you just keep hammering home the same thing and simplify it to one or two things that you do over and over again, that culture will build off of that for that year's team. And so we kind of have it where our culture is based on one permanent thing in the attack and one fluid thing, depending on the team that year. And that's the way we go about it. Yeah. And I I like that, you know, the team kind of develops their identity, Yeah, you know, uh, and so I think that's important to give each team kind of a chance to put their fingerprints, their individual, you know, uh, nuances or whatever on that. You know, and one of the things I was reading a little bit about, because I know we're going to talk about the FIBA stuff later uh, with, with uh, the TWIB, but they were talking about how some of the guys in, in, on the USA basketball team are falling in love with Eric Spolster and the heat culture. Because when you were talking about the Spurs earlier, about the only other culture I think that even comes close to rivaling theirs would be that of the Heat culture, and yep. you know Anthony Edwards, who's uh. be, you know come becoming a breakout star for them, is just falling in love with Spolstra, and he just says every day, you know, he just it's it's inspirational and different things like that. But yeah, culture is real, and mm-hmm. you know, culture at times will eat strategy for lunch. Yep. Coaches, put it on your calendar right now. Saturday, October 14th, Sunday, October 15th, 2023. The first annual A Pen and a Napkin Fall Coaches Retreat here in Omaha. We've got a little bit of everything for everybody. We are going to start our day 10 a.m. Saturday morning with a live 
practice session with Kirk Walker and the College of St. Mary's women's basketball program here in Omaha. Then we're going to move everything to the Holiday Inn Express here in Omaha, 87th and Dodge. We've got a lot of things planned. We've got speakers like myself talking about 25 universal truths in coaching along with practice planning and a practice, uh, planning an efficient practice. We've got Jeff Steinis, the boys assistant coach at Ames, Iowa, talking about building a complete program. We've got Tyler Shaw, the girls head coach at Sydney, Nebraska, talking about coaching cheat codes. And we've got Tom Craber talking about transition basketball and transition offense and the Boys Town way of doing things out of Boys Town here in Omaha. The best thing about a pen and a napkin clinics, though, is the interactive part of it. We've got small group coaching roundtables where you're going to pick the brains of three or four other coaches at the same time. Then we're going to have big group discussions. You're going to come up and you're going to have to talk. When you come to a pen and a napkin clinic, you've got to bring your own ideas. We're going to have a situation score discussion on Saturday night. Sunday morning, we're going to have a basketball smorgasbord session where we're going to talk about issues that coaches need to think about off the floor and how things can derail you off the floor and how to prepare for those type of things. So it's going to be a great weekend at a very, very affordable rate. If you would like to stay overnight at the Holiday Inn Express, it's $175 for everything, your room, your food, your drinks, everything that we've got going on, you're going to be taken care of there. If you're a commuter, it's $100, $100. All of this, it's, it's 26 hours, Coach. It's 26 hours of awesome awesome information. And again, the best thing about it is you are going to be picking the brains and learning from other coaches. You're not just going to be sitting there getting lectured to the entire time. We're going to be moving around. So hotel rooms, we need to have at least 10 rooms filled. I'm sorry, five rooms filled with 10 uh, boarders by September 15th. That's my cutoff date. So if you want this to happen, get signed up now. So we fill up those five hotel rooms with at least 10 coaches. Commuters, you got till October 12th to get signed up and ready to go. Coaches, you're not going to regret this. There's a lot of really good places to go, but I really think we do it really well here at A Pen and a Napkin. So come check out our first annual A Pen and a Napkin Fall Coaches Retreat. So we, we talked about pop and we and we transitioned from culture and leadership to, of course, you got to have players, like you said, Tony. And I, and I wanted to bring it back to that, but I wanted to talk about that slogan thing because that popped into my head. Um, you know and I know, uh, a lot of times it ain't about the X's and O's, it's about the Jill's and the Joe's. Um, and But you've got to put together a plan as a coach. What you can control as a coach to build a consistent winner is to have a plan for your player development. And, you know, some of the things that... Uh, uh, Coach Berg listed, you know, your summer development, your strength and conditioning development, your youth program, what you're doing for skill work, what are you emphasizing? And one thing I added to it, and we have talked about this previously, Tony, for, you know, people like you and I, and pretty much now it's to the point where if you're going to have a quality high school team, in, in a lot of ways, unless you're really gifted athletically, you've got to have a couple of kids that are playing some AAU or some club ball at a pretty high level. And, and I think that's part of your player development as well. But it's a, in a lot of ways, it's about luck and, and having the right kids at the right place at the right time. Now, that being said, if you have great culture, if you have great player development, those kids just happen to end up at your place, especially in larger metropolitan areas like Cedar Rapids, like in Omaha, where uh, parents and players are willing to make certain sacrifices 
to ensure that they are playing at a Cedar Rapids Kennedy or wherever it may be. So, but but that player development plan is is really a big part of building a consistent winner year in and year out and maxing out with your teams year in and year out. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, I've been fortunate to be in programs. Uh, you know, when I was in Harlan watching Mitch Osborne, and Mitch probably had the best blueprint I've seen for a program uh, with his little cyclones. They run basically, you know, not everything that the height the varsity runs, but they run parts of it starting in third grade. Yeah. You know, and Mitch ends up, he'll hop in, he'll run practices for them during the basketball season after his practice is over. Maybe they're the late practice one week. Uh, varsity's over at say seven o'clock and here comes the third graders in for an hour with him or the fourth graders a different week or whatever the case may be uh but just to kind of sit back and watch that it's like there's no wonder the you know is tied for the most state tournament appearances in iowa high school boys basketball history mm-hmm. and now being here in cedar rapids with john you know i'm watching him and we have a junior cougar program but one of the things that you kind of touched on is that high level aau and so he's got a little bit of flexibility built in there where, hey, you can play junior Cougar, but also, you know, you can play some AAU ball with these high level AU programs, whether that's Martin Brothers, whether that's the Iowa Attack or whatever the case may be. Um, but, yeah, that that becomes a part of it as well so that you can be seen, you know, at these shoe sponsored tournaments by these Division One coaches for those that have aspirations to play, you know, college basketball. Yeah. And, and yeah, you you need players, and you need players to make plays. Yeah, a, scouting is to the point where they're going to take away your pet sets. You know, the really good coaching staff. You know, so you just you need kids that are going to make plays, and and that comes through development, and that comes through the third thing uh, that Greg talked about in this this uh, thread of tweets: commitment. Uh, you got to have if you build a great culture, and if you've got great player development, the kids are going to put in the time that is necessary. And you, though, have to be ready to put in that time as well. Your staff has to be ready to put in that time as well. And, you know, I've had more than one coach that I've communicated with via a pen and a napkin that will say, well, I, I, you know, I just can't get my staff to come in and, and do it. Well, then why you got them? Why, yeah. why, why do you have them? You know, you, you got to have, now you, you, know, you can't, do it 24 7 365 there's got to be balance there but if there's open gyms your your coach unless they've got a, a a pretty good excuse they should they should be there helping you out and i i have an assistant coach that is very flexible with with uh, their full-time job and so able to be in a lot of stuff i have one assistant coach that does not have the flexibility especially with some of the stuff that uh they were dealing with with their full-time job and so, hey, I get it. That's right. You know, as long as you clearly communicate with me, I, I'm okay with that because I know you're going to make up for it down the line. And, and there's never been a, a, a doubt with with the work ethic with any of my coaches. And so I, you've got to have that commitment. You've got to demand that commitment from your kids. Um, Matt Terman, my good friend at, at SCUT, his dad, Tim, won over 300 football games and, and terrific coach. And what he would tell his kids every year before the summer, he would say, you know, kids, I can't guarantee you that if we do everything that we 
intend to do here this summer. If we do, if we come into all the strength and conditioning sessions, if you do all the open field work, if you come in and do all the explosive agility stuff and, and you throw a, a million passes if you're a quarterback or if you receive a million passes as a receiver, I can't guarantee you that we're going to get to the state playoffs or make it to the state championship game or win a state championship. But I can guarantee you if we don't put in that time, if we don't have that commitment, we will not do any of those things. And I've always, that's, that's always stuck with me uh, because there's just so much truth to it. There is no guarantee. There is no guarantee. But if you don't do it, there's a guarantee it will not happen. And, and I think that's something that you need to start with, with building a winning program. Again, to max out every year, you've got to sell that. There's got to be that commitment on a yearly basis. Yeah, if you want to be great at something, you've got to pour a lot of time into it. And when you pour your heart and soul into something, it makes it, you know, very, very difficult when times get tough to surrender. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I thought you you brought up that was important is this is a a very difficult task. It's bigger than one person. And you've got to have your assistant coaches in the trenches with you pulling the rope in the same direction. Otherwise, you're going to burn yourself out. You've got to kind of lighten your load and share the load a little bit, you know, and and that's something that, that needs to take place as well. But commitment is so very, very important. If you're not putting in the time, like you said, it is a guarantee that you're not going to reach your goals and dreams that you want to. You know, going back earlier when we were talking about the players, one of the things that, that uh, Greg had down was a fact, 300 hours outside of the season. Yeah. And that's, that's a bit, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, that's a big commitment. And it's just one of those things where, you know, you've got to, if you want to be great at it, if you want to reach those goals and dreams and aspirations, You've got to commit to it. You can't do the halfway thing. You can't dip a big toe in there. You've got to get in there. You know, you mentioned Finley earlier in our, our relationship with him. You know, when when we were there and they were kind of in their heyday at that time, their two best players were Stacy Freeze and Megan Taylor. Yeah. Guess where the guess who the, were the two that put the most time in? Oh, Stacy Freeze and Megan Taylor. It's not an accident. Yeah. No, it's not. You you are exactly correct, and and. You've got to show that commitment. If and, and again, I, I think having that great program year in and year out, if you show that you are committed, if you're the hardest working person in the gym as a coach, then your players have got to follow suit or or they're going to weed themselves out. And the kids, you know, when you raise the standard, you're, you're going to lose people, but you're going to lose the right people. If you lower the standard, you're going to lose the wrong people. And, and that kind of brings us to, to number four here, Tony, is the, is the consistency. What, uh, what is so important about being consistent as, as a coach to help make sure your program, uh, to, again, to put it in a place to max out as much as you possibly can and build a consistently winning program? You know, when you take a look at consistency, I think one of the things that you want your kids to do is to consistently compete every day, mm-hmm. you know, and whether that's in basketball, you know, like with us, we're at the high school level. And I really think that a big part of, of that is encouraging kids to be multi-sport athletes to compete, you know, but, but if, if they're doing well in these other sports, they might miss some time with me. Well, why are they going to miss time? Because they're going to be competing in the state tournament in a different sport. Would you rather that they're there for the first day or two of your practice, or would you rather that they're competing in a state tournament, whether it's volleyball or softball or golf or soccer or whatever the case may be? You know, you want them to compete 
consistently every day. Another thing that's important with consistency each day is you being consistent as a coach, them knowing what to expect, you know, what to understand, how you're going to be from a personality standpoint. I think that's also very important as well. The fact they know what to expect from you, you being consistent and then having those same coaches in place, you know, a consistent staff so that everybody kind of knows their roles and who does what and that type of thing. And I think those are important as well, but consistency is something that helps you, you know, uh, move things forward. Mm -hmm. Winning is addictive. Yes. Isn't it, Tony? I mean, there there is, there is, to me, and again, my, my genealogy or my DNA is, is different than every, everybody else. But to me, there, there is no high, like just playing a great game and winning a big game. I mean, that's, that's just, there's nothing that beats it, and and if your kids win in other places, they're gonna to want to win for you, and and winners winning breeds more winning. It just it, it just does, and uh, so I I love what you said there about competing on a daily basis. And yes, we get into our uh, we get our blinders on, and we're like, well, we're not gonna get X trap thirty nine in. Well. Okay, so you don't have that in by the first game, but your kids are going to want to go out there. They're, they're, they're used to winning, and they want to win. So so don't in any way, shape, or form, as long as the other coach is doing things the right way, you have to encourage them to be successful in their other sports because if they're successful in their other sports, they're going to be successful for you, or there's a better chance for that because they, they understand what shapes winning. Um, I, I also love what you said about moodiness. You know, think about your own makeup in your in your own temperament uh do people like being around moody people no they don't no No. that that's miserable being around moody people and and so whatever's happened to you in the classroom from eight o'clock to three o'clock when you step into that gym at 3 30 you gotta wipe that all away it's it's not your point guard's fault that Billy was being an idiot in in fourth hour pre-algebra class. That's not their fault. So don't take it out on them. And and again, we're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. And Lord knows I've probably carried some things in from that day or from the classroom into the gym. But I really try to wipe it clean. And, and, you know, if you need to, wipe your hands on your shirt. I'm wiping today clean before I go into the gym. I'm going to take a, 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 a thing of water and put it on my face and wipe my face off. And I'm wiping it clean. And I'm going into the gym fresh because when you get moody... Then, then everybody else got you've given them license to be moody and not step up to the standard and the daily habits and the expectations that you expect out of your kids. So I love what you said with that, Tony. Those were two or three really awesome bullet points. You know, and it just the consistency thing, you know, is just if you want to know what to expect out of them. Like, hey, they're going to provide great effort. They're going to get me X amount of points, approximately, you know, 12 to 16 or whatever. They want you to be consistent as well. And keep this in mind, the absolute deserve your best. You know, and like you said, just because you had a bad day in the classroom doesn't mean to take it out on them. When you step in that gym, like you said, wipe it clean, slate's clean, and they deserve your absolute best for those two hours or however long that you practice. Yep. Our last thing is is leadership here, Tony. Do you want to start on this one or you want me to? Yeah, uh, with leadership, 
you know, kind of looking through that a little bit, and I 100% agree with this. He's talking about the leadership from the kids, not necessarily the leadership from the coach in this one. And, and here's the thing I would give you, and I say this to my team a lot. Coach-driven teams can be good. Player-driven teams have the chance to be great. Yep. And when you have players in your team like, hey, we don't do it that way here. That's not our standard. You have something special. And mm-hmm. when you have built a culture, if you will, where hard work is the the standard and it's what each other holds accountable to, you're going to have a special season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, kind of along those same lines, what I uh, tell my kids, uh, the less I talk, the better we're going to be. The less I talk, the better we're going to be. If I'm asked to put out every single fire, we're in trouble, you know. And I mm-hmm. and, and and I can the the four or five years that have not been a lot of fun in my coaching career, I did a lot of talking and putting out a lot of fires myself. And I know there were the the best year I've ever had as a coach. And I've been to state tournaments, national tournaments, state championship games. The best year I ever had. I had a strong group of about seven seniors, and that's a lot of seniors to have, but they were awesome kids. And I didn't know about this till about three years later. And this answered all the questions. This, this is why. And, and we, we, had a, we had a good year. We, we were like 15 and seven, something along the way. We weren't great, but it was a good year. But it was my funnest year ever as a coach. And I found out about three years later that these seniors had made a pact that nobody was going to party during the season that we and they they had a chip on their shoulder the year before we had lost three or four really 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 good players one or two division one kids so forth and so on and they made a pact that you know we are nobody's going to drink and nobody's going to party during the season well an underclassman they found out that she had gone to a social gathering and had done things that she should that violated this this team contract that I had no idea that they had made. And they brought her out to the school track at six o'clock in the morning in the dead of winter of Nebraska and made her run. <laughs> Probably worse than anything you would have done. Exactly. Exactly. And that team, quite honestly, was maybe a 500 talent team, but they went. We won 15 or 16 games because of that and that leadership, and it was just, it was just, you know, that's that's it right there. That's that's it in a nutshell. So um, I think Tony, though, that being said, one of the things that I and I'm very confident I've said this before on the pod. If I have, and I'm if I have, I'm going to say it again. One of the mistakes, if I were to do some things over again, and one of the things I've corrected in my current job is a lot of times we sit there and go, well, our seniors are going to be our leaders. Well, have you trained your seniors to be leaders? Well, but they're seniors, they're supposed to be our leaders. And one of the things that I really put a huge emphasis on is... Don't wait until they're seniors to train them to be leaders. We start training our kids to be leaders as freshmen. And so when they hopefully are seniors, they are fully equipped to the best of their ability to be the leaders that we hope that they are and that we want them to be. Uh, we do, the, we do the, the preseason reading, and we talk about it, and we will do that again this year, and we do this as a team, and we talk about those standards even before we set foot in an organized fashion. And we go through 
what we should and should not be doing. And we do exercises like that all throughout the time uh, because that's a mistake that I made. And, and I know other coaches have made that. And I encourage coaches out there, if you want strong senior leadership, start educating them as to how to be a leader when they're freshmen and sophomores and juniors, and then they go from there. 100% agree. You know, if we did not go into a, with a plan on how to make them better basketball players, people would go, what in the world are you doing? Why are you not helping them work on whether it's a post move or a pull-up jump shot or whatever? And if you're not training them to be late leaders, you're, you're failing them. And if you want a consistently good culture, you have to train them to be leaders throughout. It doesn't just happen accidentally. Mm. Um, and the other thing that I, I go back to that you were talking about, you know, I didn't even know it was happening. And here's the thing. A lot of times with our teams, we aren't aware of things that are happening. And if you haven't taught them how to lead in those key moments, those are the moments that can make or break your season and you know nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Um. I've got three bullet points that I also wanted to talk about outside of our list here, Tony. Uh, did you have anything else that you wanted to run through? No, I'm good with those five. I'll, I'll listen okay. to your bullet points. Well, one of them is is your guy Saban here, and uh, the process. You know, if you want to build a consistent winner, a consistently winning program, year in and year out. Uh, you just have to focus on the here and now. The, 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 we control this play. We control this drill. We control this game. And, and again, self-inflicted wounds. I, 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 would, I teach history, and I would spend so much time scratching out math and wild card possibilities uh, because that's the system we have here in Nebraska. Just focus on having a great practice today. Focus in on this drill. Focus in on this rep. And, and, and I know you're a big Alabama football guy, and, and that's Saban 101. And, and people mock it. People make fun of it. Same thing like you were, you know, you had talked about heat culture and Spolstra. But you know what? They max out every year, don't they? So instead of making fun of it, why don't you do it? Yeah. Yep. The process is something, again, like you said, that they'll, they'll mock him on. But at the same time, he's 71 years old, and he's probably the greatest college football coach of all time. Um, and you could almost even cross football out and just the greatest college coach of all time. And, you know, you go through there, there are there are leadership lessons that he puts out there every single day. And I, I completely agree with what you're saying on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of related to the process here, the second thing I want to say, and I heard uh, Mac Brown and then I, I heard Mac Brown say this and I read about Norm Stewart, the old Missouri uh, basketball coach. Uh he would leave at a certain point early in the off season. You walk out of the office and you take two minutes or whatever, and you walk back in. Okay, I've just been hired for to be the head basketball coach at the University of Missouri. We're going to start over here. What do we need to do? And you begin it uh, often. And again, probably some mistakes that I made. You just assume because this is what happened this year, and this year was a really good year, that that is going to automatically carry over into the next year. Each year you start over, and and the process has to start over year in, every year. And if you do not do that, that is when things slip. Now, you, you take 
a lot of your blueprint of what happened the year before and why you were successful and you re-implement that, that's obvious. But at the same time, if you're just depending on last year to carry into next year, you're up a creek without a paddle. Yeah, each team has its own life, if you will, its own experience, its own journey. And if you think that last year or five years ago or whatever is going to continue to get you through, you're, you're, so, you're sorely mistaken because mm-hmm. each one kind of takes on a life of its own. And you have to find things that fit that group, not the 2022 group or the 2019 group. You've got to find the the uh, unique aspect that goes with them. And mm-hmm. so I, I think that's a good point as well. Yeah. Last thing, and again, this is this is a me thing. I think that if you want to build a consistent winner year in and year out, I think you avoid any discussions or any thoughts of, you know, specific wins and losses. You know, we got to win 15 games this year or it's going to be a bust of a year. Or, you know, we've got to go to the state tournament or this year was a failure. Uh, when, when you start putting things in that perspective, that's when things can tend to go in the complete opposite direction of what you intended. Now, you may have a certain group with a certain mentality and a certain mental toughness that can handle that type of self-inflicted pressure, but boy, those groups are few and far between. And I really believe that, again, kind of getting back to the process and each year starting over, it's about the here and now. It's about the habits that we can control today, the standards that we control today. And if we do that for 300 days, then at the end of the, the, the year, we're going to look back and go, oh, man, we just we just banked 18 wins. What an awesome year. Or, man, we're back at the state tournament either in Des Moines or Lincoln. That you know, great job. Let's let's enjoy the fruits of our labor now at this point. And and I think that if you want that consistent winner, it, it seems like an oxymoron to say. But if you want to build that consistent winner, don't worry about the winning. If you do these other things that we've talked about the last forty three minutes, all of that stuff will take care of itself. Yeah, because you know, I think we've we've kind of talked about this before. You have these mountaintop goals, but one of the things that you'll find as you get to the top of the mountain, it's cold and lonely. Yeah. And what the kids are going to remember isn't necessarily you know, how many points they scored or how many points they beat a team by. They're going to remember the experience that they had with, you know, hey, remember that day that you wore mismatched socks? Remember that time that coach you know, went to yell and spit flew all over the place and they have a great laugh about it? Mm-hmm. Those are the things that, that – they're going to remember those silly things that the team building the team bonding things and you know kind of dovetailing in with what you're talking about there sometimes we get young teams and maybe things aren't going you know the way that we want it to or like oh i can't wait till next year no 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 don't rush the process there are lessons and things that you have to learn that you have to go through you know doug cause i think was the one that talked about when the bulls were trying to overtake the detroit pistons and become you know what you know, with the six titles and stuff like that, you got to have your heart broken in a million pieces before you are ready to, you know, be ready to accomplish great things. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. 
Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece, with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. Yeah. And speaking of accomplishing great things, Tony, you know who we're talking about here. Oh, the final countdown, Europe. You're darn tootin' right, it's Europe, and it is time for this week's trivia question. Mr. Viss, it is my turn. Are you ready, sir, for this week's trivia question? Let's throw it down. All right. FIBA World Cup in full swing, which we'll talk about here in just a moment, because I know you're going to nail this, Tony. USA is kind of been the, you know, the dominant world power in basketball for almost 100 years. However, in the World Cup, they have not been as dominant as they have been in Olympic play and other international play. The United States has five World Cup championships, but that only ties them for first with another country. Tony, in basketball history, what other nation is tied with the United States in FIBA World Cup championships? I'm going to give you a hint. I'm going to give you a hint. This country no longer exists. Are we talking Yugoslavia? Tony Viss, you are the man, the myth, the legend. Yugoslavia. Wow. Well done, my friend. You know, back in the day with Tony Kukoc and, you know, Drazen Petrovic and some of those guys, they were, uh, you know, unbelievable. Vlade Divac. Yeah. I mean, just, just some great players that have come out of the former Yugoslavia. Yes, and uh, the country who is third in World Cup championships also no longer exists. Did you have that? I'm, I'm, I'm struggling on that one. It's kind of the biggest one that doesn't exist anymore. Did you say Soviet Union? Soviet Union with three, yes. And then Spain and Brazil each have two. And then Argentina won the first World Cup in 1950 for FIBA. <laughs> yeah. So okay. those, those are your World Cup champions. So, it, Tony, here's all I had to say when you got that trivia question so quickly. <laughs> Thank you, Mel Allen. You betcha. So, uh, let's jump right in. We, we we got some twib notes here, some this week in basketball, and uh, we're on the FIBA kick here. So let's talk a little FIBA here, Tony. Uh, USA two and O in pool play, uh, dominate. You know, pulled away from a pesky New Zealand team, and then thumped a, a, a below average Greece team with only one Antetokounmpo, and it was the wrong one to have. Um, and they, they drilled them pretty badly yesterday. And then uh, tomorrow, we're, we're taping this on Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday morning, 
Uh, set your DVRs for about 4 a.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, they've got uh, the left-handed Michael Jordan in Rondé Hollis Jefferson and the Jordanians uh, in their final pool play. Um, a weak bracket, but they're doing what they should be doing uh, in the situation. Uh, they got to the free throw line 34 times against Greece, which was really good to see. Uh, the bench play has been stellar. And, uh, you know, I like, I know there's going to be much more stronger challenges for this team down the line, but I think this team is progressing in the right direction. What do you think, Tony? You know, New Zealand, like you said, pesky, physical with them. Uh, They won by 27, and then Kerr said he knew he had something when they showed up for the next time at practice, and you had a lot of guys who weren't real happy with how they played and like you mentioned not not the you know best product that Greece could put out there but they thumped Greece rather handily um the thing with this team that's been very uh fun to watch is the bench play you know Halliburton goes in Austin Reeves goes in and uh it seems like they play even better when their bench players have have been in there. And I think that's been kind of challenging the starters lately. Mm -hmm. And Brunson the other day against Greece as the starting point guard didn't miss a shot. And so I like the way they're progressing. Um, We obviously know that in this, this pool, it's not the strongest pool. And as they get into, you know, the elimination round, they're going to have a couple games there. They're going to be some white knuckle games that they're going to have to, you know, dig into that depth a little bit and going to need, need their bench to keep producing at a high level. Yeah. Uh, Paulo Bancaro had a big game against Greece. He had like 25 and I, I think he might've been in double digits and rebounds. I think he might've had 12 rebounds or something along those lines, you know, a, stip- a typical Tony Viss night. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, maybe for his career. <laughs> Uh, and then the U.S., uh, kind of the biggest story to come out of the, the World Cup so far is we've had our first what was perceived to be big team, uh, challenging team, uh, eliminated. Uh, the French are, are done before pool play is even over with, uh, which was really surprising to see. They just they just didn't play very well, and, and um, you know, the French are done. Now they've got the automatic qualification into the Olympics next year because they're the host country. Uh, but boy, uh, that's that's a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, you know, Rudy Gobert was there. Uh, they have some players that you know have their their fingerprints and are well known in the NBA. And to get knocked out before it even got to the elimination round, like you mentioned, was a surprise. Um, and they were looked at as one of the teams that could push this U.S. team along with Germany, along with Canada, and, and teams like that. Yeah. Now I think they're going to bring in a guy next year, uh, taller, taller guy. Yeah, uh, well, yeah he's not we, bad. We, we might, have, might have had a little bit of success, you we, know, overseas House, and then uh, the number one pick, yeah. you know, by by Pop. Yeah, uh, Weeble House, Wickensham. Uh, God, what's uh, check the briefcase? Yeah, yeah, Samsonite. I was way off. Do it started with an S though. Wimbanyama. Yeah, he'll be back in there. So. Uh, let's stay, uh, with the male gender here. We've got one more story, uh, there, uh, great news out of Los Angeles. Uh, they were able to diagnose what they think what happened with Ronnie James. Uh, sounds like it's a very correctable, uh, ailment that he has, and they expect him to be back on the court soon. Uh, not a ton to talk about in, in 
that regard as far as his, like, obviously he has not played a college game yet, but nonetheless, you never want to see a promising career cut short by something that a player cannot control, and it's good to hear that Bronny James will not only have a great quality of life, but will also be able to get back out and, and play ball sooner rather than later. And and so, uh, again, Tony, you and I are both fathers. We know uh, what we would be willing to do for our children, and we just want them to see them to, to be happy and to do what makes them happy. And so this, this is really good news coming out of Los Angeles. 100%. You know, and you, you hope that in terms of things, they don't rush him back out there that they, you know, check all the boxes and everything, but it does sound like he will be out there sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Um, let's hop over to the WNBA, Tony, and, and let's wrap up here with our TWIB notes, uh, talking about the WNBA and the women's game. Uh, let's talk about the on-the-floor stuff here. Uh, I'll let you lead here with this, Tony. Uh, we, we talked before we started taping about just uh, – you know, we kind of thought we were cruising with the Aces dominating over everybody. And then, again, we talked two or three weeks ago about Candace Parker being out, and that has changed the complexion of things greatly here. Yeah, the Aces had kind of a tough week this week. Um, on Saturday, they were knocked off by Washington, uh, the Mystics there. And so, you know, taking a look at that the mystics are starting to get some of their players back uh lana deladon being the big piece there but there's several others that they will be getting back and they could be a dangerous team come playoffs but it kind of looks like the you know the aces not necessarily the wheels have fallen off because the, the mystics are a good team but the liberty have beat them i think they've played four times in the past few weeks and the liberty have beat them three out of four yeah and there's there's something there and we knew that the liberty would take some time as they kind of assembled this all-star team but it seems like they're clicking at the right time. Yeah. Um, and so the Liberty will be definitely be a dangerous team, and the Mystics could be a team that nobody wants to match up with with the amount of talent that they have there as well. And, you know, the Liberty are not just sneaking by the Aces, hitting a couple tough shots in the last 30 seconds to pull these out. These have been all double-digit wins, and I watched a good chunk of the game last night. Again, we're taping this on Tuesday. The game was Monday night here, and they they were beating them like a drum. I mean, there there was there was no doubt who the better team was on the floor, and Inescu is shooting the ball really, really well. Uh, the the point guard I can't remember her name right now. Uh, uh, uh the, the blonde Vandersloot. Yeah, Vandersloot. Yeah, it was a du- it was a uh, I knew she was a Dutch gal. Uh, but yeah, she she's distributing the ball extremely well. Stewie is Stewie, and and I mean they're they're really starting to 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 gel at the same time that the Aces are you know hitting like you said a dry spot and and Della Don who's as uh, I, I think we forget how good of a player she is she was kind of Brianna Stewart before Brianna Stewart and mm-hmm. and and man she she's she's capable of carrying a team she's won she's won a championship before as the best player on a championship team so don't count that pedigree out and if if they could kind of come together here at the end of the year again a team you really don't want to play in the first round of a playoff so um, yeah, I think it was Rudy Tomjanovich that coined that phrase, never underestimate the heart of a champion. And if the Mystics get healthy at the right time and start to get some of that chemistry and stuff back, they could be a very dangerous team. And I know we've highlighted Dallas a little bit, too, you know, kind of being, uh, you know, flying under the radar there that they could surprise some people. Yeah. 
And, and then on the other end of things, kind of an end of an era, so to speak, uh, in Phoenix, not qualifying for the playoffs. I think it's the first time in 10 years that the Mercury have not been in the WNBA playoffs. Uh, again, they've, they've dealt with a lot, you know, Tarasi is in her forties and she's, I'm looking it up right now. She's still averaging almost 17 a game. Uh, you know, but, but she's, you know, she's missed 12 games. Brittany Griner has missed, uh, about 12 games, uh, coming back into things. She took, uh, a mental health break, um, a week or so ago, just needed to step away for a, a few days, and obviously with the trauma that she experienced being imprisoned in Russia, the, you know, the good Lord only knows some of the things that she experienced, but just again, kind of an end of an era here for uh, one of the more stable franchises on the floor in the league, uh, not making it to the playoffs this year. Yeah, and one of the things, you know, with Phoenix that I feel like kind of t- put them down the wrong path you know, you mentioned the Liberty a little bit ago, and they're number one in the power rankings, and deservedly so. Their coach is Sandy Rondello. If you go back to the Mercury, the last time that they were in the finals, guess who their coach was? Sandy Rondello. And they lost in the finals, and Phoenix decided to go a different direction and brought in a coach who wasn't ready to lead this team. And you see the impact of that as the Mercury have kind of you know, been on a, a, a descent since getting rid of Sandy Brundello. So sometimes you have to be careful in thinking the grass is greener on the other side. Absolutely, absolutely. And then the the last thing we wanted to talk about in our in our TWIB segment this week was uh, uh, there was an article on ESPN.com today, and they did a survey of some some big you know some big names in in the league. Uh, Kelsey Plum was quoted. Uh, trying to think of, uh, I, I, I believe, um, what's her uh, Gray from uh, from Los oh, Angeles. Chelsea, Chelsea Gray. From Gray. The yep, I think she had. Uh, I, I apologize if I if I miss a name here or I I miss uh, quote somebody and say they gave a quote and they did not. But uh, changes in the league, some things that the players would like to see done differently, and it's something that we kind of underestimate. We just assume. Uh, the biggest thing that they said was travel. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, they're flying coach on commercial airlines. And, you know, the league has come a long ways. But still, you know, come on. We can we can probably do better than that. We're, we're uh, depending on, uh, especially post-COVID, uh, commercial flights to move these professional athletes, the, the best 120 or 30 players in the world around the, the, the country, and we're de- you know we're depending on commercial airlines to to take care of them. I, I think we can do better than that. Uh, what do you think, Tony? You know it's it's a big issue when the WNBA um, salary wise, obviously it's not anywhere close to what the top players in the NBA make, and a lot of these women go overseas to make more money um, to be able to come back and and, and make a living and, and, and different things like that. And so, you know, it's a big issue when rather than pay, they're talking about travel, you know, and when they have to fly coach, you're at the airline's discretion. When the flight goes, you're not able to take off right away. And so sometimes they're, you know, being brought in really, really late or right before the game begins. And it's not, enhancing their product and their performance of their players mm-hmm. yeah and and one thing the bubble showed us was uh, fresh players with fresh legs give us great basketball 
and the NBA figured that out. They've worked really, really hard to make travel as convenient as they can. It's something that they take into account in their scheduling. Uh, they've gone with, like, for example, the back-to-backs. You, you'll go to Los Angeles, and uh, the the Atlanta Hawks might play the, the Clippers in back-to-back games. They play them on Tuesday, take a day off, play them again on Thursday, and mm-hmm. or, or something of that ilk. And I think that's something that the this league also can look at and learn from. Uh, you know, so... You know, there's there's a lot of things. Salaries was another thing. Expansion of the league uh, to to more teams. I think the talent level is at the point where they can do that and get away with it. I, I think it would. I don't think it would water down the product in any way, shape, or form. Like you've said before, Tony, you've got top three and five draft picks that are getting cut a league a year or two into their contracts. Uh, you can't tell me that another franchise couldn't use that type of player as as a solid rotation player. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of other different things that they that they went into in this article. I encourage folks to read it. It's a really good read. It's a great perspective to hear from from players. You know, uh, they talked about salaries and and if they could, if they could, if the if the max players. Uh, your, your real high-end players, your Asia Wilsons, your Kelsey Plums, your Bree Stewart, your Ella uh, uh, Deladon. Alyssa Thomas. Yeah. If, if they could get their the, the quote-unquote supermax in the WNBA up to about $400,000 a year, uh, they would... They would not look to play in Europe, which would, again, make the WNBA product even better because they're not burning the candle at both ends, uh, playing in Europe or in Asia, and then coming back and playing in the States. They, they would just stay in the States and play in the WNBA. So I, I think there's a lot to look at there, Tony. Yeah, definitely. I would say that the, you know, the, the brain power of the WNBA, those, the commissioner and, and, you know, those who work with her need to look at this article mm-hmm. because I think you've got to listen to those who you are commissioning for trying to do the best job you can for um, and listen to their voices and try to put as many of these things in place as you can because if you can get them the money they will commit to you and going back to what we were talking about commitments one of those pillars in order to build a product that's successful year after year and let's leave it right there mr Viss. we couldn't come full circle any better than what you did right there so i'm not going to mess this up Um, we're just going to stop right there sound good Sounds good to me. All right. Great talk with Tony, as always. Episode 53, Building a Winning Program. We covered a lot of things today. It was one of our longer coaches' discussions, uh, but I, I we were covering so many good things, and, and, and I hope folks that listened are able to take, even if you just, again, with, with everything that we do on a pen and a napkin, if you can just take one or two things, take it and run with it. And I thought Tony and I brought up, a lot of really, really good stuff today. So uh, I hope you folks have enjoyed it. And uh, we'll be back next week with something else to talk about. As long as you keep listening, we're going to keep putting them out there. So we appreciate everybody and what they've done. So coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day 